Exploring His Kingdom presents Father Jack Malarkey's homily for the Feast of All Saints Day, November 1st, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. You know, this gospel that Tim just proclaimed for you is really the marching orders for the apostles and for you and for me. And God looks at you and me and he says, you're going to be a saint. And the only way you can be a saint is if you embrace the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are called diminishments. What does that mean? Well, it's a simple word because the less you become, the more room you got for the God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit and kingdom of heaven. Oh, wait a second. That's how it works. Once I'm truly poor, then I truly believe and truly trust God, and then things start to fit together. The people we honor, all the saints, are those who really embraced the ideals of the Beatitudes and lived their life and are now with God in heaven. Some are canonized, right? You know, St. Thomas More, the patron saint of our parish. He was the Lord Chancellor. He was the martyr of truth. He said what was, Henry couldn't handle it, off on his head. That's pretty rare, though. Did you ever meet someone who was canonized? Someone who was a canonized saint that a church said, yeah, he's really in heaven? I never did. But I came really close once, really close, back in 1962. And I was studying theology up at St. John's in Collegeville. And we had a lady coming to talk to us. And this lady now is beatified. And I believe within the next two or three years, she will be canonized as one of the latest and best, one of the greatest American saints. Her name is Dorothy Day. And Dorothy Day was giving a presentation. And this was in the height of the Cold War. And she was coming in as a pacifist. She was the one who founded the Catholic Worker Movement. Settlement houses in New York and Chicago and Boston and places like that. And it was an amazing presentation. At the time when she was about 62 or 3 years old, I can't remember exactly, because she was born just a little before the turn of the century. And, you know, St. John's was an all-guys school, so there were like 100 guys there listening to her. And she looks like Grandma. You know, gray hair, a little pug in the back. And all of a sudden, she starts talking about forgiveness. And she starts talking about turning the other cheek. And how violence begets violence, and only forgiveness can break the whole cycle of violence. And it was amazing, because I looked in her eyes, and they were alive. It was like, like God was talking to me. That was as close as I ever came to a canonized saint, you know, beatitude. But amazing experience. So after we got done, it was just a real short presentation. 35, 40 minutes, a few questions. I left that lecture hall and walked across the campus and gone back to the seminary building where I was a student and my residence was. And I thought, wow, where does that come from? Where does that kind of a commitment come from? And I think it comes from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Didn't we hear that? They will be called the children of God. 
And that was Dorothy Day. And it was an amazing experience for me. She's not canonized, but I'll bet that she's going to be pretty soon. She's a real lesson to all of us in how we deal with violence in this world of ours and the way is forgiveness. I want to tell you about another saint. You're never going to hear about him because he's never going to be canonized because he's my uncle. And my uncle, Roy, was a farmer. He and his brother ran the family farm that my great-grandfather homesteaded outside of Bear Creek. And Roy was one of those farmers that worked outside all summer long. And the process got him tan, about the same color as that table there. And so Roy's name was Darky Malarkey. Isn't that great? Darky Malarkey. And Darky was a bachelor. And he and his brother, who were married and had three children, they took care of Grandma. And Grandma was senile for the last 40 years of her life. And they cared for her, and they loved her. I remember when I was 14, Grandma looked at me, and she was my godmother, and she couldn't remember my name. And she called me Lengthy. I was the tallest of all her grandkids. And that was the last time she called me anything. So what about Roy? What about Darkie? This is what I learned from him. He was the kind of guy that loved people and loved kids, loved to go into sporting events. And as a boy, we used to take turns going out to the farm. And you'd get out there, and then it was always good times. And what he did is he always went to the ball games, any basketball, football, baseball, anything from Shano through New London. He loved kids and loved high school sports. And so you knew when he got done with the chores in the evening, we were going to a baseball game, or we were going to a football game, or we were going to a basketball game. And I loved that. It was just great. It seemed like he knew everybody in all those cities. I don't know that he did, but he could talk to that bench, and the bench would answer, you know? One of those kind of special human beings. And, you know, one of the things that would happen is, uh, after the game, you know, he and my other uncle, they'd, they'd have to stop in the tavern and have a couple beers on the way home. And then I'd get my pop and my candy bar. It was good stuff, you know. And then when we got home, they had a huge bedroom upstairs. And there were two double beds in there. And one was Darkie's and one was going to be mine. And I was probably 10, 12 years old. I got my prayers in pretty quick and jumped in bed, and Darkie was kneeling down by the side of his bed. And I was almost asleep, and he was still kneeling down on the side of his bed. And I said, Uncle Darkie, are you falling asleep? He said, no, Jack, I'm just saying all my prayers. To me, that was really important. I never forgot that. You know, he had worked all day out in the field. He had had a couple of beers, but by golly, when he got home, he was down on his knees, and he talked to the Lord. That was really important to me. And, you know, another little thing that he taught me later was another one of his little practices. He called it a black fast. Now, if anybody ever heard this before, tell me, because he said it came from Ireland, but I've been to Ireland three or four times, and I never heard of it over there. 
But it had to do with Good Friday. And on Good Friday, even though he was a farmer working hard, morning trailers and all the way through, he never ate anything on Good Friday. He called it a black fast. He would drink water. That would be the only thing that would be part of his suffering on the day that the Lord suffered and died for us. He was really a straight shooter. A little later, he said to me, you know, Jack, when you were little and you didn't do anything but fool around, you never came out of here. But once you got big and strong and you could help us, you never came back. So that's kind of the uncle that, that I learned to love and to appreciate. And then I was privileged, he was only about 62, I think. He was walking across the farmyard and he dropped down, heart attack, he was gone, just like that. Doctor said before he hit the ground, he was, he was done. And so I had his funeral. It was just amazing, because all my siblings were there and my cousins, and you know, there wasn't a dry eye among all of us young kids. Well, we were in their 30s and 40s. But it was really an amazing kind of little story. And I got to tell you that story not because I think my uncle's ever going to be, you know, canonized. But see, every one of you have a story like that. Every one of you have somebody like that, like a darkie. Somebody who was your aunt or your uncle or your parent or your coach. Somebody who helped it come together. And that they were authentic in their worship and in their prayer and their honesty. And some way they lived the ideals of those beatitudes that Tim proclaimed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. For justice will be theirs. Some way they lived it in such a way that that's why you're here. That's what we call the communion of saints. You know that, right? A little while we're going to pray the Apostles' Creed and we're going to say those words. You see, those are the people that walk with us. Those are our advocates. Those are the, our saints. And it seems to me in this time where it's just a, a long slog with this whole thing with the COVID and, you know, our lives being so strange and disrupted that, you know, we need people who walk with us. You know, we need the saints who give us the courage to be patient, to tell us, keep doing the right things. It'll be okay. It'll fit together. Don't get ahead of yourself, Jack. You know, I, I need that. What the heck? I've never been depressed in my life. And I'm about that far from being depressed. You know, 80 plus years I've never been depressed. But this just keeps coming. And so I need those patron saints. I need the community of saints. I need those who walk with me. I need you, but I need them. And so All Saints is just one great day for us as a Catholic church, especially in this time, in this country, and in where we're walking together. And so I invite you to, uh, you know, today, sometimes think, who's your Uncle Darkie? You know, who touched you in such a way that said, you know what, it's real. And that bachelor uncle did it for me. And he was a heck of a guy. And he's also going to be part of my life. And you have someone like that. And thank God for them. You know, that's what makes us the communion of saints. That's what we're going to say in just a couple seconds as we rise and pray the Apostles' Creed. 
focus on those words. Communion of saints, forgiveness of sins. It's right at the tail end. Don't rush over it. Let's rise, pray the Apostles' Creed together. <laughs>